I am coming this morning thinking about you, Sam. Married how many years? Nine. Just nine, and you celebrated it. So when I was um, pastoring as a young man, when I was in my 20s, and at one time I was the youngest pastor in the district, I mean, it was so, I was so young, somebody came into the church and came up to me and said, where's your dad? I'm sitting on a stool, long hair, playing a guitar, you know, it was that way. And so for me, a lot of what got me through were the pastoral epistles, when I'm reading Timothy and Titus, I'm like, what was Paul saying to these young guys that were pastoring churches? And not just pastoring, they were kind of in charge of a certain area. And so when I was struggling, a lot of young guys out there was like, where do I go? Well, I'll go to Timothy and Titus, figure out what my job is and what Paul was saying to those young pastors. So that's kind of where I went, knowing I was here, and you guys are kind of between series, I think. So I'm looking at Timothy, and I'm, I'm looking at the struggle that our nation's going through right now. And the, uh, you, you drive out and you see the political signs as you're driving out to Sandy and there, and somebody was upset at some sign, so it was turned on its side as I came in. They didn't like that person and putting your sign down. And these things that we're going through as a nation, sometimes I think, like Pastor Sam, you were saying today, we lose the moment of just being present with God because we're kind of ticked and pushed by all these things around us that we can't get aware, you know, can't get away of. Kind of like if the Niners beat the Packers and it's just like a bad week for the Packers, you know, um, or a Ducks fan and you come against that first game and the Ducks, you're like, oh, golly, that's, it's tough. And so these, this mindset that we have that we can be kind of less than versus maybe God's mindset, which is, there's this struggle we're all in, but we win because of Jesus, right? We do. And when we get to this place where we're like, wait a minute, I'm worshiping the Lord. God's first in my life. He's promised to meet my needs, take care of me, lead me, guide me, heal me. He's that God to me. If, if I can just, with his help, just kind of focus in on the fact he's everything, life's going to be good. In fact, I think sometimes life is good because in the midst of difficulty, we have the peace of God. I think sometimes I feel the peace of God more in the midst of challenge than I do when everything's going well. Because when everything's going well, I'm like, oh, I'm good. It's all good. My, my tent's good. My car's good. My family's good. I got my... Whopper, double with cheese, I'm good. But it's when times are tough that God comes in and I take a moment like, oh, you're so good. Knowing that I was uh, talking on this stuff, and the amazing thing is I think sometimes the devil knows our schedule too. You know what I'm talking about? He knows what we're going to see. He knows when that appointment should be, but he's pushing us in other places. And I had one of those days Friday where I was made aware of the fact that the struggle we're in is very real. There's a God who loves us and has a great plan for our lives. There's a devil who hates us and wants our lives to be difficult and challenging all the time. So this morning, I'm talking about, and we'll talk about the struggle between light and darkness. And so we'll throw it up here. 
Uh, one of my favorite books, This Present Darkness. Anyone ever read that, Frank Peretti, back in the day? Wow. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's an old one, 80s kind of a thing. If you can get a hold of it, younger folks, it's great. But This Present Darkness. So we'll read this passage uh, from the book of Titus. And it's from the uh, New Living Translation. I have found, have you? Sometimes when I'm comfortable reading a certain translation again and again and again, that then I bring another translation in, it's like, oh, there's some nuances and some things. Oh, and New Living Translation's kind of that for me. I didn't pick this up at Bymart, but I did pick it up at Costco. <laughs> it might not be a green card, but you can get a black one there. If you have the city on the back, it's gray, but that's for another conversation. Anyway, um, shall we read this together? For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. So again, older pastor saying this to younger pastor who's leading churches on the island of Crete, and he talks about this struggle that we're in. So he frames it this way. The grace of God has been revealed. It's appeared in Christ, bringing salvation to all people. When I've spent time in the South in the Bible Belt, Atlanta, Texas, different places, it's always a little uncomfortable for me because everybody goes to church. Everybody's nice. Everybody says, God bless you. You ever been there? I mean, it's, it's just like everybody's just gracious, y'all. It's just all good. And yet I don't really know where I stand because in Oregon, you're either kind of for the Lord or you're kind of against the Lord. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of middle ground. And you kind of got to be bold all the time to live for the Lord. So when I see this where he's bringing salvation to all people, he's been revealed, he's bringing salvation, the idea there is that God in Christ brings salvation. People still have to respond. Zechariah, when he was talking about his son, John the Baptist, who was going to be the forerunner of Jesus, they were cousins, kind of like you and me, I think. But he says this about his son, John the Baptist. Hey, you're going to give light to those who sit in darkness, and in the shadow of death, you're going to guide us to the path of peace. God gives us ministries around people to shine light so they can see the path and they can find the way to peace in Christ. Earlier, Paul wrote to this other young pastor, Timothy, and he said it this way, we put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all men and especially of those who believe. I was at a funeral yesterday and filled with uh, people that were grieving for this young 40-year-old woman who died of an aneurysm. And there were a lot of people there that did not have a Christian background, for sure. But they were there, and they were, they were trying to honor this lovely young lady that was there. 
And the guy that spoke, Alpha Hayward, you know, Bubba, Alpha spoke, he talked about the gospel very boldly to everybody that was there and then kind of put it out there for people to make their choice what they're going to do. And I think that's what we do in our lives. We live our lives boldly. We say what we say in the grocery store to our family, in church, to people we meet. We put it out there in terms of our life with Christ, unapology, without apology. And then we like make people make their own choices on what they're going to do with that. I can't save people. God saves people. But he'll use even a little thing in my life to get their attention. I think when we get to heaven, you're going to have people lined up wanting to talk to you about, well, that time that you said that thing to that waitress. Yeah, well, I was that waitress. And I was just having a terrible day. And I had prayed that morning, God, if there's a God, you got to give me a little bit of hope. And you were that guy, and you left that tip, and you just you smiled, and it's like God was in you. And I think that the enemy, again, tries to devalue those things, but God uses them because he's the Savior of all those that will respond to the Lord. So in the midst of this, where we're in this place where the grace of God has been revealed, kind of like these lights, whether you got them at Costco or Bymart, um, but kind of like these lights that are just kind of over me, we're living under the grace of God as believers. And in the midst of that, Paul says, hey, you got to lead those people here in verse 12 to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. There's a movement right now, I think, in the world, certainly in the United States, against revering God, against honoring God, against doing things that seem religious. And I'm, you, me, it's, it's not so much the religion. I mean, we're here because we love God and we love each other, but there is a devotion to God that the enemy is trying to devalue. I think one of the reasons that there's so much coming against family, against gender, against unborn children, is because the enemy hates God, and he wants to hurt God by hurting his greatest creation. God's greatest creation aren't the mountains. It's not the amazing, although it's incredible, view on Bluff Drive out here. God's amazing, most amazing creation is you. You're the apple of his eye. And the enemy, if the enemy thinks, well, I can, I can hurt God, how can I do that? I'll hurt his creation. And so there's this godlessness that's kind of being evoked and platformed, and the media has it, and a certain channel that my wife and I are just about to uh, take away paying for, because at the uh, kind of the, the internal mechanisms of that particular chi- channel, there's such a desire to platform homosexual gay relationships that every new kind of thing that's, that's surfaced that they produce has a relationship or two or three, and even in revision kind of stuff from the early 
1900s and other places where that's there publicly, that it's just like, gosh, there's just such an agenda that's going on with that. That's a godless agenda. And Paul's saying, hey, have nothing to do with godlessness. In fact, turn from that godless approach. I love, Dave, where you said you're working for a Christian country company. What's a Christian company but people that love God and respect God in the midst of it, right? Yeah, I work for a company, but there's Christians in it, and I love it. At times it feels like when I go to work that I've got people I'm on staff with with them, and we're here to do our stuff because we all love Jesus, and wink, wink, we know what we're here for. Amen? So something as simple as turn from godlessness, Titus, lead your people to stay away from a godless issue in society. Second, he says, again, simple, keep yourself turned from, repent of, keep yourself from sinful pleasures. What do you mean, sinful pleasures? So, New Living Translation, again, a translation I'm working on, but here it is. John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, do not love the world... And the word there, amazingly, is agape. Do not agape the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. In other words, there's not room for both. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasures, a craving for everything we see, pride in our achievements and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father, but they're from the world. And this world is passing away along with everything that people crave. But everyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Man. I think what John is saying is if we lust for something, I've got to have that. I've got to have that truck. I've got to have that relationship. I've got to have her. I've got to have that. I've got to have that to be fulfilled. But that's something that God's not in. But when we can say, Lord, I've got to have you. And if you put those things in my life, let me use them for your blessing. Right now, my wife is kind of cleaning out the house of, that I grew up in. My 97-year-old mom God bless her, who's now living with my brother's oldest daughter in Canby. She's well taken care of. But we're back at the family home in Columbia City out Deer Island area, St. Helens. And we're going through her house. And she's done a thing already that is called death, death cleansing, which is when you anticipate your life's getting short, you just kind of take things down and you begin to move them out so nobody has to. It is a blessing. And she's done that. But we find funny things like she has 20 silk flowers. Not five, not eight, 20. And my wife's like, man, your mom really loves silk flowers. And we're like, hmm, I think someone gave those to her. And so she felt kind of beholden to that. Your mom really likes these little things over here. Well, I think someone gave that to her. So she wanted them to be on display. Whenever that family came in, they'd look and say, yeah, you remember what I gave you 20 years ago. 
So all these things in her house that they have meaning because somebody gave them to her. I think the Lord loves it when we value possessions because he gave them to us. Remember when you first moved into that apartment or that house and you had nothing? Do you remember that? How are we going to fill this? What? How? It's such a big place. And then all of a sudden somebody gives you that couch or somebody gives you that. And you look around and you say, man, that has meaning because that person or we wanted to buy that. And here's one of the funny ones for our family. We were at a place where we'd come back from California and we just joined staff at Sunnyside Foursquare and not much money and just trying to make it. And we needed a stereo TV case. And I think we'd had it on a chair, you know, and, and we had some stuff on a chair and you had to sit on the floor to kind of see it. So, oh, it'd be great to get a, a TV case and maybe with doors and stuff like that. And so we go into the old Myron Frank, now Macy's, in uh, Clackamas Town Center. And all the way back in the back is this, this uh, TV console kind of a thing with a little scratch. And it was marked down, but I didn't think it was marked down enough. Sorry. And um, anyway, I remember, I think we got this for 220 bucks, $225, this amazing thing. And it's hard for me to get rid of now. It's so large, my wife's like, that doesn't really fit in the living room. Okay, can we move it downstairs? Yeah, it doesn't really fit downstairs. But, but honey, you remember, I, I know, I know, I know. It's special to you, I get it. And so now it's got like the old VHSs in it. It's got blankets in it and all that, just because it has kind of like special meaning to me. God more than desires to meet our needs when we put him first in our lives. And I don't think in my mind, I have to have that in order for me to be happy. That's a worldly kind of thing. In fact, he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul says it this way to the Corinthians. The time is short. We should live as those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. For those who use things of the world as not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. So stuff is good. It's a blessing. Take advantage of it. Enjoy it. But don't set your heart on it. Don't set your mind on the fact that if I only have this, it's going to be great. Those are kind of things that Paul's saying to, to Titus, hey, man, move away from the ungodliness. Move away from the worldliness that's going to go there and lead people in a way that God is everything in their lives. Then he moves on to this a little bit more of a darker theme, <clears throat> and he says, we live in this present evil world. I love the fact, last night I walked out, <clears throat> and it was sprinkling, about nine o'clock last night, <clears throat> excuse me, and it was sprinkling, and I'm like, wow, this, this rain, anything will take it, right? We'll take any rain at any time. It's the rain that kind of brings that green stuff back. It's the rain that allows everything to grow. We don't grow without difficult times. We don't grow if there isn't the rain. We don't grow unless there's stuff we have to live against. The goal isn't necessarily <clears throat> to eliminate evil. <clears throat> Excuse me. The goal 
is to live for God in the midst of evil so people can look and can say, wow, I see light there. Because ever since Adam and Eve made that choice, there's evil here. Evil's only going to go away when Christ comes back and we get a new world and a new heaven and a new earth. Amen? It's going to be great. But until that time, the goal is not to eliminate evil. The goal is to lead people to Christ in the midst of it as they see, what is it with that guy that's so happy and worships the Lord and, I, and he, he just has something in him? There's something there. I want that in my particular life. I want that here. So he says, in the midst of this present evil world, to live with, and just simple things that Paul says, I think it's incredible, to live with wisdom. That is, taking things in and making right choices. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's right, Proverbs 9. When I fear God, and I allow him to work in my life. Thank you so much. That's perfect. Fred Meyer, I'll take it. It's all good. It's all good. People are like, why does he? It's all right. It's all good. Thank you so much. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Truly, it says in Romans 8, think about this one. If Christ, if God gave us Christ... How will he not, along with Christ, graciously give us all things? Romans 8.32. The greatest thing I have in my life is Jesus. He's the best. And if God has given me Christ, how will he not, along with Christ, give me wonderful family, healing, provision? It's incredible. I think as Americans, as well-to-do Americans, we got to remember the very best thing we have is God and the relationships with family and each other. Amen? There's a time in David's ministry, King David, that he had everything he needed. He was king over people that called him as king. He, had, he just had everything. And so he's walking on the terrace of his house one night, and he looks down and he sees this woman. And he wants this woman right now, Bathsheba. And so they get together, and later on, when God is speaking discipline to him, he says this, he said, David, I gave you everything. And if you needed more, I would have given it to you. Isn't that amazing? If you have a sense in your heart that I need more, then God knows that. I need, I need my marriage to be improved. God knows that. Lord, I need your provision. God knows that. Lord, I need a close friend that's not going to, when I share, it's going to tell other people about that. God knows that. How sad it is when we set our mind on, I've got to have this. And we get it, and it goes bad because we got it ourselves rather than waiting for the Lord to bring that. It breaks my heart when I do things that God would say, if you would have just waited, I had that for you. So, again, living in this world with wisdom, making right choices. He, again, earlier book to the other young pastor, 
1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but their hope, put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I have a close acquaintance that built a spec home, home on speculation, this last year and took out debt all over the place to get this spec home built and was just ramping up to sell it and the interest rates change. And they go from high twos to threes to fours <clears throat> to fives where the front of the Wall Street Journal this week said 6% interest now on home loans. And so he is caught now with a half a million, $600,000, $675,000 house that won't sell. So now it's flipped to got to rent the house and get out there and wait for the market to change. And no one would have said 18 months ago, 12 months ago, the market would have changed as quick as it has. I wouldn't have. I mean, everything's just ramping up. Houses are going for whatever. Can't even get them. They're bidding wars, right? And now they stick, and they're there because nobody wants to pay the interest rate. Wealth is uncertain. The economy is uncertain. My future, my retirement, your future, your provision, it's not in the hands of the federal government. It's in God's hands. Amen, David? It's true. And when we seek God to meet our needs, like the Israelites that went 40 years and didn't have to change their Nikes because they were good for 40 years, God knows how to take care of you. And God knows how to make, take care of me. I have a friend, Teresa Sweat, who went to the Ukraine recently. And she tells the story that she had taken another trip to, was going to take another trip to Africa. And it didn't work out. So they were trying to get the refund on the tickets. And they were expensive tickets. And before she wanted to commit to going to the Ukraine recently... She wanted to get her refund back from her trip to Nigeria that didn't happen. So she's waiting and waiting and kind of, you know, Lord, I, I kind of feel led to, to go to the Ukraine, but I need these funds. And then finally the Lord just said, you just need to buy the tickets and go. And right after she bought the tickets in anticipation of going to the Ukraine, she got the notice back from the uh, airlines that the tickets that she bought for Nigeria wouldn't be refunded. They were non-refundable. And she was telling us the story. She said, you know, I don't know if I had waited for that communication to come back if I would have gone to the Ukraine. But as it was, God spoke to me and said, you go, not based on where they get the money back. You just go because you're obedient. Sure enough, of course, the Lord used her greatly and form wonderful relationships in that difficult thing. And I, I thought, man, what a great example that we make decisions, and she made a decision that's going to affect many lives forever, not based on if she had what made her comfortable financially, but that she obeyed the Lord that gave us anything, everything already. Amen? So we put our hope in God, which richly provides for us. Secondly, it says in this passage, not only wisdom, but righteousness, making right choices, just simple things, living in this present world with wisdom, but living also with right choices. As I see it, Pastor Sam, and there was a pastor that mentored me on this one, 
when you look at righteousness in the New Testament, it seems to be used a couple ways. It seems to be used that there's a righteousness God gives us that's a right relationship with God through Christ. So we're justified by faith. We're righteous before God. I can't earn that. Jesus just gives it. Amen? It seems also to be a way that that works out in my life with righteous choices, right choices, wise choices. I love it that Paul's just saying, hey, make right choices as you're in this present dark world. Do you remember Joseph, one of my favorite guys from the Old Testament? He kind of misuses this prophetic gift that God had given him. He ends up offending his 10 other brothers. They actually hate him. What do they do with him? What do they do? Sell him, throw him in a pit, send him down to Egypt, right? God was working in the midst of that whole thing, and yet God begins to lift him up and take care of him, and that's how God does that. I know that... uh, We all have our Egypt times where we're out there and we're dealing with difficult things, but God uses that. I think somebody needs to hear this right now. God takes the difficult situations to make us into what he wants us to be, and without the difficult situations, Dave, you wouldn't have been here this morning sharing with us, but now you've got a testimony. No testimony comes without a test, and you had it. So Joseph is going through this hard time in his life, but God begins to lift him up. Things begin to get better. And he's taking care of Potiphar's household, and he's doing everything. And this is how the writer of Genesis, Moses, says it. He says, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you, because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. And he ends up running out of that situation and leaving. What did he leave behind? Yeah, he he left his, his garment, his cloak there, and she grabbed it and then ended up saying, he was gonna rape me, he was gonna do this stuff. But Joseph made a right choice. He made a right choice in the midst of darkness. And we're reading about it now. At the funeral I was at yesterday, it's amazing how people remember things about individuals that come out at the funeral that you're like, I never knew that. Oh, I didn't know. What a great story. What a, wow, so great. We kind of get that here with Joseph. Making right choices helps us live powerfully in this present evil world. And then lastly, where he says, living in devotion to God. The interesting thing is the word for devotion to God, the the pious word, is the opposite of the word earlier 
where it says godlessness. So instead of being godless and giving myself to believing that philosophy, I'm going to be devoted to God, godly. I was reading up on that, and one of the guys says, you know what that is really is a person that shows proper behavior towards himself, proper behavior towards his neighbor, and proper behavior to God. Sometimes I think the enemy works overtime trying to make us think that this Christianity thing is a lot more difficult than it is. It's challenging. But it's challenging in a way of keeping my relationship with God as the main thing, keeping my relationships with people clean, asking for forgiveness where I need to ask for forgiveness, being able to live in this present worldly darkness with God, your wisdom, and God, right choices, and a devotion to God that's correct. I've probably said this here before, but I have found recently in my life that what I used to do for many, many years was I'd get up in the morning and I'd try and read the Bible and try and think about the Bible and maybe try and get through an amount of Scripture in hopes that what I did that morning would carry me all the way through to the end of my day. What I've currently begun to understand is that in many cases, it's a wiser approach for me to try and spend time in devotion to God early and try and find some time during the day where I can grab some time with the Lord and trying to find time and making time before I go to sleep. It's not so much how long I do it, I'm finding, but the devoted piece of it. God, I need your help this morning to make it through my day, middle of my day. Lord, somehow I need your help to continue to let your grace work in my life and work through my life at the end of my day. Lord, I need your help to kind of put this day to rest and then to get up tomorrow morning with the grace you supply. So that, that peace there for me is helping me have more of a constant thing in my life and having that devotion that God works by his spirit in my life. As I was coming to the end of my prep on this, I'm thinking, well, Lord, okay, you've, you've said through this, this mentor to Titus, you've said, hey, we don't want you to be ungodly. We don't want you to give yourself to worldly philosophy and possessions. We want you to live with wisdom. We want you to live making right choices. We want you to live with devotion. How's he going to do that? What's going to be the power that allows me to live in the midst of darkness with that? And I'm thinking of that first phrase that he said that the grace of God has appeared. NIV says the grace of God teaches us. Do you know that when Paul writes each one of his letters, he starts each one of those letters typically with the grace of God be with you? And in most cases, he ends the letters with the grace of God. Think of the grace of God. I'm like, 
I'm getting what I don't deserve, right? That's what that means. But there's another piece to the grace of God, which is sometimes overlooked. It's the grace that he gives to live his life. It's not that I screw up my courage and then ask God to help me. It's more that I look to him and say, Lord, I'm not going to make it if your grace doesn't empower me to do what you want me to do. Philippians 4, I can do through who strengthens me. Sometimes it's just the simple, Lord, give me wisdom. Lord, help me make right choices. Help me to live devoted to you, whether anyone else sees it, really don't care. What matters, Lord, is you've got my heart. You've got me. I had a friend that uh, one time he's in the sanctuary and the Lord says, dance. He's like, Lord, you know I don't dance. And he says, you need to dance for me. And he's like, really, Lord? Absolutely. So he kind of does this little thing, you know, like us white people do. We don't do it very well. And um, yet it struck me that that was his response to God in devotion to what the Holy Spirit was saying. I think this morning as I walked out, Sam, your daughter got out with her pink little sandals. And I said something to her. I said, oh, those are great sandals. And you know what she did when she got out? She started dancing with them, kind of dancing with the sandals and just kind of because she was excited about somebody that had noticed her pink sandals that she probably picked out and thought they were great. How cool would it be when God points something out in our life about, hey, great job, that we're just like, oh, Lord, you're awesome. You're great. Or somebody says something to us of, you're, you're a great dad. Or, man, you're, you're such an encouraging person. Or, thank you for being such a friend. And he it's pointed out to us, and our devotion to the Lord takes it back and says, Lord, thanks for what you're doing in my life that way. My hope this morning is the reality that living these simple ways but big themes in our heart are the kind of thing that will keep us on track in the midst of this present darkness because Paul says this as we end up. While we look forward with hope to that glorious day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. NIV calls it the blessed hope. There's a day coming when everything that I've done points towards this Jesus coming back and rewarding all of us for our faithfulness in God and taking us to be with him forever, where light will come and will take over that whole situation with the coming of Christ as our blessed hope. Can you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for the Spirit of God that can live his life through us with the grace that you provide. Lord, I pray as we live in this present dark age, 
Lord, that you would give us strength, Lord, and wisdom and right choices, Lord, and a devotion that's just not working at it, but we're responding to what your Spirit's doing in our lives. Hey, as we're praying right now, if you need the Lord to just work a wisdom in you, would you just kind of cup your hands there in front of you? Or if you're dealing with, Lord, help me make better choices. Or if you're like feeling drawn by the Spirit of God to a quiet, personal devotion to Him, would you just kind of cup your hands out there? Lord, all we can ask is that your grace would flow through us and that you would be our strength and when people see stuff in us that it would be the reflection of Jesus. Will you just take a moment and talk to the Lord right now about whatever he's whispering to you about? that there's some folks here that you've you've been devoted but you feel like you've been pushed back for that you've kind of been kicked back because they didn't understand what you did what you said or you were seeking to be obedient I feel the Lord's saying to you hey I saw it it meant a lot to me what you did I don't forget honors me when you honor me. And I pray for a new youthfulness in our hearts towards you. A willingness, Lord, to do amazing things when you lead us, as you guide us in our devotion to you, Lord. Help us remember, David, that was before your ark, Lord, wildly worshiping because you had done great things and will do great things. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, we pray over this state in the name of Jesus. Can you join me, folks? Lord, we pray a a breaking, Lord, of the darkness in Jesus' name. We pray light all through our state, people that love Jesus. Lord, living light for you on apology. Uh, with with boldness, Lord, with right choices, with wisdom, Lord. Let the light permeate the darkness. And let those, Lord, that have given themselves to evil see light and come to you. Even in this political thing coming up, Lord, we pray the gospel would be raised up, Lord, in our state as the answer for our state. In Jesus' name. Hey, God is good. He also heals bodies. If you have uh, an area that you need healing for, can you just kind of be bold and stand real quick? And we're going to pray that God would heal your body. Anybody need healing right here? Can you stand up? Yeah, let's trust the Lord for healing. Can those of, uh, if you're around somebody that's standing up, can you move over there and lay hands on them and ask, hey, what am I praying for? How can you, how can we pray for healing? Just ask them real quick. Everybody's got somebody laying hands on them back here and praying. Yeah, let's trust the Lord for that. The, the Bible says that we'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. 
Lord, we're asking for these folks as they're being prayed for right now in Jesus' name that you'd bring healing. In Jesus' name, Lord, bring healing, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for bodies. We pray for internal organs. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray for headaches. In Jesus' name, and backs and limbs, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those maybe that aren't here that need healing, we pray healing. In Jesus' name, those that are watching, Lord God, you said that you would confirm your word with signs that would accompany that. So, Heavenly Father, for your glory, Lord, for your glory, Lord, heal your people. Touch them, Lord. Heal them, Lord. Let them feel in their bodies, Lord, your work and your goodness and your grace, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, things that have lingered for a period of time, let them linger no longer. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. If there's uh, anything additional you'd, you'd like uh, prayer for, there'll be a prayer team up here hoping you come forward. Uh, we love you guys. See you in a week.